with the NFL diminishing the position of the running back, unfortunately, we're about to do the same today. These are running backs that you need to avoid in your fantasy football drafts. Welcome to the meeting. This is Fantasy Addicts Anonymous, the only AA that's not for quitters. I'm your fantasy football mentor, Antoine Weisslicker. Join the Patreon community, patreon.com forward slash fantasy AA. Choose your addiction level. Earn bonus content and perks for being long-term members. I would appreciate all of your support. And thank you if you are already a Patreon member. Be true to thyself. Embrace your addiction. And as always, champ, earn your chip. On today's meeting, we are going to discuss running backs that you should be avoiding in your fantasy football drafts. Now, when we talk about avoiding these guys, we're not saying that you should flat out not draft them. We're just stating that these guys we do not believe are going to return value at their ADP, which is average draft position for those people who are new with us. When we talk about average draft position, we're going to say this, for instance, if we take a running back that is going as running back 20, we're telling you to avoid them because we don't believe that they're going to return value at that said position. Meaning, at the end of the season, we don't believe that they're going to finish as a running back 20. When we're drafting someone at running back 20, for instance, we want them to perform better than where we're taking them. We want them to finish as the running back 15, 16, even finishing in the top 12. When you finish in the top 12, you are a one at your position. You are the top of the tops. Uh, those things change depending on how large or small your league is. So, for instance, if you only have an eight-man league, so an eight-team league, then the top eight would be considered running back one. The next eight are considered running back twos. The next eight are considered running back threes and so forth. If you're in a 10-team league, the top 10 are considered running back ones. The top, if you're in a, top, if you're in a 12-man league, the top 12 are considered you know, running back ones and so forth and so forth. So, you know, you want your guys to, to be able to, you want to have as many of those top level guys on your team as possible. And you want to get them whenever possible. If you can get them at running back 20 and then they return value for you at running back one, that's what you want out of your picks. You want extreme value out of your picks. And we're telling you that these guys you should be avoiding. Honorable mentions here. These guys we're not going to talk about in this episode here. Uh, we're going to give you three guys. But these two guys, we've already made episodes on them. That's uh, Minnesota Vikings running back Alexander Madison. We gave you the reasons why in a previous episode of Can You Trust Running uh, Alexander Madison? I believe that was the name of the episode. Uh, it does have his name in it, so you can go back through the catalog and try to find that episode for for yourself. And you can listen to that and see the points that we made about why we believe Alexander Madison may not be a valuable pick where he is going. And he's right now, I believe he's starting to even out as well. So you might be able to get you know value for him. But where he was going when we made that episode, he was going way too high. It was right after uh, 
Dalvin Cook had been released from the team and people were all over him. Um, we believed at that point that that wasn't a good fit for you uh, to be drafting him there. And, and I still kind of agree with it. Where he's going right now is still not a good fit for you to be drafting him there. Um, I, I just don't think he's going to return the value that, that we're looking for here. And the next name that we're going to mention is another guy who we did a full breakdown on, a full episode on him. Um, is Ramondre Stevenson a top 10 back? That's what we did that episode about. And he was one of those guys who we were telling you, man, you might want to pump your brakes on him a little bit. And over the past couple weeks, it's been that way, man. They've been bringing in a lot of veteran backs to see if they can be added to the team. Now, they have not finalized anything yet, but they did bring in Leonard Fournette. They did bring in um, Ezekiel Elliott. So they are really, really looking for somebody to take that, to take a little bit of that workload um, and keep him hovering around those 200 carries. Um, They're even lightening his workload as far as practice is concerned. He's not really practicing. And he stated in in quotes to the media that, hey, man, you got to ask Bill Belichick why I'm not practicing. So, hey. Something something is going on there where they really want to bring in another running back. Maybe they don't think that he can hold up all season or carry a, a load of 250-plus carries. But Ramondre Stevenson is one of those guys that we stated that you got to look out for and you may be avoiding. If his ADP comes down, if he's more in that wide, that running back two range, uh, between 14 and 15. If he drops down to there, I'd be more than happy to take him there. But taking him as a top 10 back right now is not what I'm willing to do. All right. Now, we're going to start off, man, with the first running back that we believe that you should be avoiding. We're going to start from the bottom, and we're going to work our way up to the top, and we're giving you three running backs that you should be avoiding outside of these first two that we have already given you. And right now he's going as running back 27 at the time of this recording, and that's 69th overall. And we're talking about Kansas City Chiefs running back Isaiah Pacheco. That's who we're talking about here. Last season he finished as the running back 37 overall. He averaged 7.9 fantasy points per game. That would have put him at RB 44. Now, his projections for this year. Well, first off, why are, why are people taking him where they're taking him at running back 27? I, I can tell you why. First off is because he's in a great offense. And he had playoff games with five. He had a playoff game with five catches. They talked about him, you know, getting more involved into the passing game. He wants to be more involved into the passing game. And people are taking that one game that he had with the five catches and they're taking that. And they're saying, hey, he can build upon that, which is understandable. His projections for this upcoming year, man, they're projecting him to be running back 30 with the the stuff that they're giving him. They got him at 196 carries, 874 yards, seven touchdowns, 21 receptions, 183 yards through the air with one touchdown. So they got him at about eight touchdowns total at 9.7 fantasy points per week, which would put them at RB 39. Now, they are really, 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 really cautious with these projections. They're not really 
uh, putting these projections way out. These are their floors. These are what they're looking at at the floor. They're not really looking at the ceiling for most of these guys unless they're guys that at the top of the food chain. They're, they're really putting these guys' ceilings out there because they want them to be great. But this guy here, I don't think they looked at his ceiling. I think this is more of the, his floor. But the thing about the the five catches that he had in that one playoff game, it was against Cincinnati. They were down. They were down. They were coming back. But when we talked about what they did in the Super Bowl with him, he had zero, zero targets, zero catches in the Super Bowl. They didn't even look his way in the Super Bowl. And they were down in that game too. It's crazy to me. It's crazy to me that this is what they did. They did not trust him to to get this workload done through the air. They trusted uh, Jarek McKinnon. They did gadget plays with uh, Kadarius Toney. I don't believe this guy is going to be involved in the passing game to the extent that they believe that he's going to be involved in the passing game. The 21 receptions for 183 yards, I think that's about right. I think with with their projections here, their projections with his receiving, I think that's his ceiling. I think I, I honestly believe that's his ceiling. I think they they trust Jarek McKinnon more in that passing game. But the other thing that we got to look at here, and we have to think about this for all running backs. The highest paid running back in free agency this partic- this offseason was Miles Sanders. He got $6 million a year. Joe Mixon took a pay cut from over $10 million down to $4 million. $4 million. Saquon Barkley got a contract for $10 million. They basically gave him a franchise tag and gave him some bonus money to say, here, here's two. Here's $2 million due at signing. We'll give you the $2 million guaranteed. And then they gave him the $10 million salary, which basically was an $8 million salary with the $2 million uh, up front. Melvin Gordon signed. For three million dollars. So at the height, they want to pay they want to pay running backs around six to seven. At max, they want to pay them eight million. The salary cap is excuse me, the franchise tag is ten million. So if they pay in a running back, if they're paying you three and a half million dollars, it would behoove them to use you, right? If not, they could just cut you. Just why would I waste three million dollars on you not to use you? This is the situation that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is in right now. He is in the final year of his deal. He's getting paid three and a half million dollars. Are they not going to use this guy? Why would you do that? When you could cut him and save the three million dollars. Nobody wants to pay running backs now. 
Do you really believe that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to pay Clyde Edwards-Alaire to be their third-string running back and not touch the ball at all? Isaiah Pacheco, he played tremendous at the, at the tail end of the season. He, he did pretty good. He played pretty well. But this is with Clyde Edwards-Alaire being out injured. A healthy Clyde Edwards-Alaire getting paid $3.5 million this year do we believe that they're not going to use him? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. And he was a first-round pick. I understand. I get it. He has not played. He hasn't played great. But to fully think that Isaiah Pacheco has this this backfield on lock, I think we need to pump the brakes with that. I think we need to look into this. And this is why this is a guy who we're saying to avoid. He's going around Alexander Madison, Drake London, Tyler Lockett, Mike Evans, and Deshaun Watson. He's going around those guys. I would much rather have any one of those guys, even Alexander Madison, who we just told you to avoid earlier in this show. I would much rather have any of those guys than to take a gamble here on Isaiah Pacheco returning value for you. I don't think it's going to happen. Now, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But as we look deeper into this, again, he does not have, he doesn't have the receiving profile for us. And then, as far as his, his red zone efficiency, he was really good in the red zone. When they gave him opportunities. When they gave him opportunities. The problem is the opportunities were few and far in between because the Kansas City Chiefs were one of the highest rated teams in passes in the red zone. They wanted to pass the ball in the red zone. I don't know why they wanted to pass the ball in the red zone, but that's what they wanted to do. And that's what they did. Maybe they're still looking for. You know, to be able to trust this guy. But he did, he did, he was efficient. Inside the five, seven carries inside the five, three touchdowns, eight yards. So he never got backed up. He wasn't a fit, he wasn't inefficient in the red zone. He was he was really good in the red zone. He was really good on the goal line. But he just didn't have that many opportunities to get that done. That Clyde Edwards Lair breathing down his neck. Jarek McKinnon breathing down his neck, taking away those those passing opportunities for him. I think this is going to be a situation where he's not going to return the value for him. And if you're drafting him to think that he's going to be, he's going to move into that running back two range. I think you're making a mistake if you're drafting him for that. So Isaiah Pacheco is going to be one guy that we're going to be avoiding. The next guy that we're going to be avoiding, this guy is currently going as the running back 15. That's 35 overall. Last season, he finished as the running back 18 with 13.5 fantasy points per game, which would have put him at running back 17. His projections this year, they're, they're projecting him to be a running back 16 with 229 carries, 1,046 yards, uh, eight touchdowns, 27 receptions, 178 yards through the air and one touchdown, which would bring him at 11.8 
fantasy points per game, which will put him at running back 26. Who are we talking about? We are talking about Seattle Seahawks running back Kenneth Walker. Now, why are people drafting him so high, man? Why are they drafting him at running back 15? Well, because when he got the start uh, in week six of last season, he averaged 19 carries a game. In five games, he had over 23 carries, and he was averaging 15.8 fantasy points a game, which would have put him at running back 10. That is excellent. He was able to get those carries, that workload. Well, here's the, you know, he was able to get that workload. Now, again, I wrote this beforehand. I wrote, I, I wrote to avoid this guy before the injury that he has. He has a groin injury right now. And before Zach Charbonnet has an injury with a shoulder injury and is going to be out indefinitely. I wrote this before that. And one of the things that I was saying about Seattle Seahawks running backs and Kenneth Walker in general is that these guys continue to deal with injury each and every year and they're bound to miss some games. I I didn't wish it, I wasn't wishing injury upon him or Zach Charbonnet. I just feel like with the Seattle Seahawks, they always tend to have injuries. And these injuries that they tend to have linger throughout the entirety of the season. And Pete Carroll is a fucking liar when it comes to injuries. I don't even think Zach Charbonnet might be out indefinitely. We don't even know how severe his shoulder injury is. Because Pete Carroll will never tell you the truth when it comes to a player injuries. He will never, ever tell you the truth when it comes to player injuries. And you should never, ever believe any fucking thing that... Pete Carroll says about any one of his players when it comes to injury. He's a liar when it comes to that when it comes to that. Now I don't know if it's just because he wants to create a, a, a an advantage or he wants to maintain an advantage, a strategic advantage. It that may be the case on why he lies about his players' injuries, but we have no idea. If, in fact, Zach Charbonnet is going to be out for a long period of time, we don't even know how long Kenneth Walker is going to be out with a groin injury. We do know that he had a hernia surgery last season. Uh, so we have to look out for that. But the real reason why I was stating that Kenneth Walker would be in the void is because he had 52 red zone touches with seven touchdowns. Inside the 10, he has 16 carries for negative seven yards. He has 16 carries, excuse me, for seven yards and two touchdowns. Inside the five, he had nine carries for negative three yards and one touchdown. He wasn't very efficient in the red zone. Then he had 27 receptions for 165 yards. They're projecting that he's going to have the same. The two weak points of his game and the two things that we are the two things, the two weak points in his game are the two things that we look for in our running backs. We want red zone, goal line, inside the five opportunities, and we want receiving opportunities for them as well. Zach Charbonnet was brought in to do the two things that Kenneth Walker were weak in. He was brought in because he's a slightly bigger back. He could do the goal line work. 
and he was a, a back with a, a with a receiving profile in college so that he can catch passes as well. So the two things we want Kenneth Walker to do, they brought in Zach Charbonnet to do. Now, if Zach Charbonnet's shoulder is going to be fucked up and he's going to be out for a long period of time, and Kenneth Walker's groin injury is not going to be super severe, and he's going to be back on the field, then we will look at this at a different way. But when I wrote this and when I was going to record this before I had to have some dental work done, this is not an ideal situation for the running back if we're looking to draft them as a top 15 back. If we're looking to draft him like that, this is not an ideal situation for it. Again, he's going around people like Aaron Jones, Debo Samuel, TJ Hawkinson, Amari Cooper, Joe Mixon, and Keenan Allen. I would much rather take a chance on any of those other guys. And Debo Samuel is on one of our wide receivers to avoid list, and I would much rather have Debo Samuel over Kenneth Walker in this particular instance, man. Again, unfortunately, the things that we look for in a running back that we want him to do, we want him to have that upside. Yes, we believe he's going to get that volume, but his volume may be taken away in the red zone, which may lead to less touchdown opportunities if Zach Charbonnet is going to be that goal line guy and he's going to be the guy in, in there on third down or in there for receiving work. This is why we're saying to avoid Kenneth Walker. If you do go out there and get Kenneth Walker, man, temper your expectations. Yes, he did finish last season as the running back 18. I'm under the impression he'll finish roughly around there again between 18 and 20. I don't believe he's going to, when you're picking him at running back 15, you're hoping that he becomes a top 12 running back for you. And I don't think that's going to happen here for Kenneth Walker this year. That's just me. I could be wrong again. But we look at the data and we try to make sure that we're in the right frame of mind for this. And the final back that we're going to talk about, he's currently going as the running back 8, 16 overall. Last season, he finished as the running back 8 with 15.6 fantasy points per week. He finished, that would have had him at the running back 9. His projections... Got him at the running back five with 211 carries, 1,065 yards, eight touchdowns, 46 receptions for 383 yards, two touchdowns, which will put him at 14.7 fantasy points per week, which will put him at the running back 12. And that running back that we are talking about is Dallas Cowboys running back Tony Pollard. And I know why. He's being drafted the way he's being drafted. He made the most of his opportunities last season, man. He played very well, uh, spelling for Zeke, catching passes out of the backfield, being involved in the passing game, scoring TDs. He, he played very well. The problem that I'm having here with him is that He's, he finished the season 5.2 yards per carry, but only had three games where he carried the ball more than 15 times. 
people are projecting him to get a higher workload whilst continuing to keep the same level of efficiency. And that, my friends, is where I I say that we have an issue here. Because if he continues to get, if he gets more workload, it is safe to assume that his yards per carry is going to come down a bit. That's the thing that I'm saying here about this. Now, people saying, people will say, hey, man, you just hating on Tony Pollard. You don't believe in it. Like, I'm not going to say I don't believe in Tony Pollard. But, of course, we have to drill down. We got to do We got to look at the data. So, last season, he only played a top 10 rushing defense once. That was in week two against Cincinnati. Now, He did pretty decent against Cincinnati. But it was early in the season. He did pretty decent against Cincinnati. He ripped off, what, uh, 19 fantasy points. Which is great. We like that. We like to see this. He had five 20-point games. Five of them. All five of those 20-point games came against bottom 10 rush defenses, the Bears, the Packers, the Vikings, the Colts, and the Texans. The Bears and the Texans were dead last in rush defense. Both of those teams were flat out garbage when it came when it came to defending the run. Those were his five 20 point games. They all came against bottom 10 rush defenses. The other problem that I had here is I looked at the game. Well, I didn't have a problem with it. I wanted to look at the games where he rushed for over 15 carries. Well, those games... Those games... That he rushed... For over 15 carries. Were against Green Bay. Which was that bottom. Bottom 10 defense. Was against. And he had 22 carries in that game. Was against the New York Giants. He had 18 carries in that game. He scored 8.1 fantasy points. And then against Jacksonville. He had 19 carries in that game. And he scored. 14.6 14.6 fantasy points. So we're in a situation where if we average him out in those three games, he averaged 4.1 yards per carry. So when he got the volume, he averaged less yards per carry, as I predicted, as I knew anyone would. Because right now, what we're saying about Tony Pollard is we're saying he's more efficient as a runner than Nick Chubb, who averages about five yards a carry with 
with volume, almost 300 touches. And then we're, we're projecting that in the passing game, he's just as potent or more efficient than Saquon Barkley. We're basically saying that Tony Pollard is better than Saquon Barkley. That's what we're projecting him to be. That's what they're projecting him to be. We're saying that he's going to be more efficient and better as a running back and as a as a full running back that's running and receiving than Saquon Barkley. And I right now am not willing to admit that. I'm not willing to say that he's that good. But here's the other interesting part that I found about Tony Pollard as I was doing the, the research here. Last season, he only gave you six games in the top 15. So 11 other games, you were not beating your opponents. You're not happy with that if you're not outscoring your opponents. How do you outscore your opponents? You finish in the top 12, the top 15. That's how you outscore your opponents. When your position is finishing in the top 15, you're outscoring your opponents. He only finished in the top 15 six times. In comparison, we're talking about Ramondre Stevenson. He did it. We, we mentioned him earlier in the episode, but he did it seven times. Seven times he finished in the top 15. You know, Austin Eckler, uh, Christian McCaffrey, those guys are finishing 11 times in the top 15. They're winning you weeks most of the time. We want our guys to finish in the top 15 more than not. We want the 17-game season, we want you to finish in the top 15 eight-plus times. If we can get if, if seven is where we're talking about those running back twos. You know what I'm saying? This is what we're what we're looking for. We're looking for you to finish in the top 15 multiple times and, and at a higher clip than just six times per game, six times a year. Because you're not winning me weeks if you're not finishing in the top 15. Here's the the last interesting thing that I found about Tony Pollard as I was doing the research. He has never scored more than 15 fantasy points against divisional opponents. He's never scored more than 14 points against divisional opponents. 14 points is the highest that he's ever scored against a divisional opponent, he averages against, in, in his entire four years of playing, this doesn't go back, we're not just talking about 2022, in his entire four years of playing, he's never scored more than 14 fantasy points against a divisional opponent, and we're talking opponents that he plays twice a year. So that's six games out of the year. You're talking Washington, New York Giants, and the Philadelphia Eagles. He's never scored more than 14 fantasy points against any of them. In fact, his average against those teams is 7.2 fantasy points. That's his average 
against those teams. Which means six games out of the year, I cannot count on this guy to be a top 15 back. Because he, he, he hasn't performed against divisional competition. That was shocking to me. I almost, when I was looking at his stuff, I'm like, I, I probably wouldn't even put him on his list. I could probably put him as an honorable mention and go pick somebody else. But then when I saw that stat, that stat, it was staggering. I couldn't believe it. This guy does not perform against divisional opponents, fantasy-wise. I'm not going to say that he doesn't perform against them because he did have 100 yards against the Giants because the Giants is a bottom 10 Right, was a bottom 10 rush defense as well. He had 100 yards against him, but he didn't score any touchdowns, and they kept him from being involved in the passing game. So he only scored like 10 fantasy points in that game because he had 100 yards. He had no touchdowns or anything like that. He didn't have any catches. He only scored like t- he only scored 10 points in that game. But the highest total that he had was, I believe, against Philadelphia. It was like 14 fantasy. It was 14 fantasy points on the dot. It was 14 on the head. That was the highest that he scored against a divisional opponent. Every other time he scores, every other time you see a divisional opponent against him, him against divisional opponent, it's less than double digits, man. He the 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 next best score was the 14th, excuse me, was the 10 fantasy points that he scored against the New York Giants. It's, it is it is crazy to me. That was crazy. And for people who think, well, maybe that's just, maybe that's just, you know, he's getting better against those guys. No. This this past year, 10.5 fantasy points, 1.8. This wasn't injuries. He played. He played. This wasn't injuries. He played his normal percentage of snaps because he plays about 50% of the snaps. These were normal snap percentages for him. 10.5, 1.8 fantasy points. 7.2 fantasy points, 8.1 fantasy points, 14 fantasy points, and 1.9 fantasy points. That was just this year alone. It gets even worse. He put up a negative number uh, in 2021 against one of the against Washington, a divisional opponent. This guy does not perform well against these divisional opponents, and Washington is the one who keeping them down, man. Those one-point games, those were against Washington. I don't know what it is about those guys. Uh, Maybe he gets better this year, but based on this particular data here and being at the fact that he's going around Nick Chubb, Patrick Mahomes, Amra St. Brown, Josh Jacobs, and Garrett Wilson, I will take somebody else. I will take one of the other guys. No problem. Give me one of the other guys. So those were the three guys that we say that you got to look out for, man. To avoid those honorable mentions again, Alexander Madison, Ramondre Stevenson, Isaiah Pacheco, Kenneth Walker, and Tony Pollard are the running backs that you need to be avoiding in your fantasy football drafts. Unless those guys' ADP comes down a bit, then we'll think about drafting them. But for now, join that Patreon, patreon.com forward slash fantasyaa. Be true to thyself. Embrace your addiction. And as always, champ, earn your chip. I'll see you guys on the next one. I'm out.